This passage made me think about a story about um, spicy chicken sandwiches at McDonald's. And I'm pretty sure that's because uh, I'm eating a lot at home right now. And I don't, uh, I don't love McDonald's or anything, but I'm pretty sure that's why that story came up. And uh, so let me elaborate a little bit more on that. You're like, how, how is this resurrection passage have anything to do with spicy chicken sandwiches? Um, so I was riding in a lift a few months back and uh, it was last fall and my uber driver and i were talking and he wasn't originally from the states he was from uganda i believe and but his english was really good and so we were talking and it came up that he had not eaten anything that day and it was probably 6 p.m and i was like whoa that's crazy and so we were talking about food and uh american food and and uh, how uh, a lot of the food you could get when you were out was frozen and then and then warmed up and heated up and that kind of thing. And he ended up sharing this story with me about how when he when he first started uh, working in the United States and he was driving Lyft, he didn't know what to eat. There were so many options and, and he wasn't familiar with any of it and he didn't really know much English. And his friend, who was also from Uganda, told him, Look, uh, if you go to McDonald's, he went to McDonald's because he recognized it. He said, if, so if you're at McDonald's, just uh, get this spicy chicken sandwich. It's pretty good. And so he got the sandwich and he sat down right there in McDonald's and he ate it and he liked it. And for the next six months, every single day, he ate a spicy chicken sandwich. Every day for six months. Because it was what he knew. He trusted his friend who had experience in America, and his friend told him, hey, try this sandwich. And he trusted his friend, and every day for six months, that's all he ate, was a spicy chicken sandwich. And man, we laughed about that, and he said, if I even smell that sandwich now, it's totally gross to me. And I think this is kind of like us, and I think it's kind of like Thomas. And... <laughs> And I'm sorry for all you that I'm making hungry right now, I'm seeing in the comments, and you're just eating like some warmed up stuff from yesterday. But we tend to do this. We hear something from someone, and we trust them, or we believe them, and we just stick to it forever, <laughs> for a really, really long time, even to the point where it starts to gross us out. And uh, in this passage, we see this sort of connection between our experiences and what we trust, what we have faith in, what we believe in. And Thomas uh, is, the, is the unfortunate subject here because he got dubbed Doubting Thomas. Now, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of great things uh, that we get to experience and see from Thomas and that we can learn from here. Uh, but unfortunately, he, he gets remembered as Doubting Thomas because of, because of this uh, situation. Now, in our current culture and time, faith and experience have kind of been pitted against each other. Uh, that you either, you know, you have these experiences and you believe what's in front of you, what you can trust, that are facts, or you have faith and you believe these things that you can't see and 
you know somebody else experienced or you know only if you can touch it and hold it and experiment on it yourself do you believe it but this simple story about the spicy chicken sandwich shows that uh, this isn't really the case that faith and experience are intertwined that our experiences are what inform <laughs> what we believe in <laughs> we've got some very detailed comparisons going on here uh, in the comments so um, this is this is very interesting when we consider human nature um, in fact uh, one of the biggest examples of this is from the minister of propaganda from the Nazi Germany government of the Third Reich here's a quote from him about experience and belief and all of that he says if you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it people will eventually come to believe it and that's what they found to be true during that time uh, in that situation but it wasn't just true then uh, cognitive psychology has a term for this it's called illusory truth effect and there was a recent study in uh, this uh, psychonomic uh, journal that said um, Contrary to accepted knowledge, belief in all statements, be they plausible or implausible, increases with repetition. So just by the fact of some, a human being hearing something over and over, regardless of how plausible or implausible it is, the studies that they did found that if you hear something over and over again, you start to believe it more because you had the experience of hearing about it more than more more uh, more and more so um, bringing this back to our poor unfortunate doubting Thomas he gives us a chance a window into seeing if uh, <laughs> I, I wonder if that's Robin commenting other under Suzanne's name <laughs> I'm pretty sure that it is <laughs> um, that's right, the, the leaders are the worst ones when they're, they're in the audience, right? Uh, so when we look at Thomas, we get to see how this intertwining of experience and faith can affect our ability to believe in Jesus, believe in the resurrection, believe in each other, believe in goodness. So looking at the second half of verse 2, it says, But he, speaking of Thomas, said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side I will not believe and you know what I really admire Thomas it and and that's kind of a weird thing to say because he has like a couple of speaking lines in all in all four of the Gospels combined. I think almost all I think all of them might even be in the Book of John. But I admire this statement about him, because here we see the disciples are um, are hiding and cowering because they're afraid. Their leader Jesus has been crucified, and they think they're probably next. But the first thing that we find out in this passage is that when Jesus shows up this first time, Thomas isn't even with him. Thomas, uh, for whatever reason, he, maybe he was out getting groceries, I don't know uh, what he was doing. Uh, maybe he was looking for a sandwich, spicy chicken sandwich, but uh, he wasn't there. 
And so he didn't seem to have the same fear as the other disciples. And this is consistent. I mean, he could, it could have been a different reason why he wasn't there. He could have just been going to the bathroom. I don't know. But this is consistent with the only, one of the only other times that we hear Thomas speaking in the Gospels. Because this guy was a loyal dude, and he was a man of conviction. In John 11, chapter 16, it says this of Thomas. It said... Um, so let me give you the context first before I read it. Um, Jesus has just heard that Lazarus, his friend, is dying, and that you know he he uh, he's been made aware, and they want him to come help. Mary and Martha want him to come help, and uh, when Jesus finally decides to go, he stays where he was for a few days, and he decides to go an argument happens because the disciples are like, man, Jesus, you can't go there to Bethany. That's really close to a place where, um, yeah, science, that's right, where uh, people had tried to stone you. And um, Jesus is like, no, nah, I'm going to go. He, he says all these cryptic metaphors, and the disciples are like, what are you talking And he finally, What are you talking about? And he finally says, like, Lazarus is dead, and I'm going to go back and raise him. And uh, the disciples are like, all right, well, I guess we're going. And Thomas says this in John chapter 11, verse 16. He says um, to the rest of the disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. So Thomas looked at the situation and he's like, oh, man, it, I really trust Jesus to the point where even if he's going into a situation that I believe is going to lead to certain death, He's still worth following. So to me, it's unfortunate that Thomas gets labeled as doubting Thomas because he had such trust and conviction and loyalty around following Jesus. Um, he also seemed to have a sense of almost fatalism. And I can kind of relate to that. You know, he, it's like his his reasoning about the situation as he looked at reality, he's like, it's kind of a foregone conclusion. This is not going to work out. And um, yet I know what's right, so I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. And uh, I, I can relate to that, but there's limits to that, that way of thinking. Um, so Thomas, guy who likes to look at the reality of the situation, he's not into like this heavy metaphor and he's, he's not into stuff that he can't like observe and, and, and test himself. Um, he, he says this type of thing again in response to Jesus in John chapter 14. Jesus says about after he, he dies and he's speaking in these metaphors about what's going to happen, he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back, this is Jesus speaking, and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And you know the place where I am going. And Thomas said to him, at all the disciples, he speaks up and he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Thomas just isn't, he just, he's not convinced by poetic metaphor and things like that. He wants facts, and he wants not just facts that he has been told, but he wants to have them for himself. He doesn't just buy into, even when Jesus is talking with beautiful language, he needs more concrete information. So, 
this is a very interesting idea right now uh, when the world's being ravaged by an invisible virus in which we have to trust other people um, and what they have found to be true, even if we haven't experienced it ourselves. But here's the question, as, as much as I appreciate Thomas's scientific mind and his loyalty, the question I have about Thomas is, is why couldn't he believe the other disciples? Like, why would these other guys be lying to him that they saw Jesus, even as implausible as it was that a man was raised from the dead? Why could he not believe his closest friends who had been with them, been with him and with Jesus the whole time? See, here's, here's part of the crisis of being a human being. Uh, that other creatures on this earth don't experience. We, our existence and our getting around in the world is based on belief, on trust. Uh, I have to trust and believe all kinds of people, things, sources of information to get around in the world. If I didn't, I would, I would be paralyzed if I did not believe and have trust in various things. Um, you know, some just simple examples. I ruptured my muscle in my chest and my shoulder. I had to believe that the doctor was able to see that. He, he didn't even want to show me. He, he wasn't even bothered to show me uh, the echocardiogram, not echocardiogram, but the uh, CAT scan or whatever it was. <laughs> I missed again. Somebody will probably put it in the comments. But the scan that he did on my muscles, he just came and he's like, well, this is ruptured and we're going to have to do surgery. And I could say, well, hey, let me see all the documents and assess it myself. And I did want to see the, the one scan. Uh, but I had to believe that. I had to believe that when I came out of uh, being put under, that the surgery was actually done. I have to believe that there's a landfill somewhere, even though I've never seen it, that's filling up with trash, and it's a good idea for me to recycle. I have to believe all the time to get through the day. I have to believe that social distancing is going to help not spread a virus that the scientists say spreads through sneezes and coughs and things like that. MRI, that's right. Thank you, Robin. I, I, that makes sense that Robin would say that too. So that's the crisis that Thomas is faced with here, is he only wants to trust his own experience but as human beings, we just can't get, you can't even get along in the world on a regular day without trusting other people's beliefs and experiences. So what is Jesus's response to Thomas? Well, he indulges him. He shows up another time. Thomas is there in verse 26, uh, chapter 20, verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. 
Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So, you know, our, our experiences in life affect what we believe and, and what we're able to believe. And that could be personal experiences that we've had, or it could be something that someone told us about, like that uh, you should follow Hitler, he's a good guy to follow, or a spicy chicken sandwich at McDonald's is a really good option to eat. So our experiences are going to affect what we believe. In relation to this very incredible uh, history-shaping event of a man raising from the dead, of, of Jesus raising from the dead, he says this to Thomas. He says, because you have seen me, you have believed. And it's almost like, I almost imagine Jesus looking at the camera, like breaking the fourth wall when he says this, talking to us, when he says the, the rest of this sentence, and says, uh, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Because that's, that's the position that, that we are in. That's the position that everybody but about 500 people, Paul writes, that saw uh, Jesus in person after the resurrection. That's the position that we're in. So as we, as we end this time, I want us to think about what is the substance of this blessing, this, this blessed state that Jesus said, for those who have not seen and yet believe. And here's, here's what I think it is. You know, Thomas had every reason to believe his friends, but he was scared. He was scared to trust anyone other than himself. And Jesus says that those who have not seen and yet believed are blessed, which means we had to believe somebody else. We had to believe other things in the world around us in order to accept something that is true and good and beautiful, but requires belief. And I think the blessedness here is the realization that we're going to experience so much more life. We're gonna experience so much more life when we can trust and believe in goodness. Not without, not without a healthy dose of, of skepticism, not without um, examination of the content of the things that we are believing in from where we are, but the natural flow of the universe and of what it means to be human requires belief. That the flow of goodness in the world is one of trust and belief. So for example, believing that your spouse means it when they tell you that they're sorry or that you know your kid really didn't mean to knock over their glass of milk for the third time in one day or that uh, your roommate really did get distracted and forget to do the dishes even though it was their turn. Or that the life that Jesus led was so powerful, so beautiful, that death could not be the final answer. That life 
would continue on. So, um, I had this uh, uh, this really nice um, line here that I wanted to to read, um, and I thought I didn't I didn't have it on my notes, but I do. Um, when we listen to learn to the goodness of life with the wisdom of our experiences and not just the things, not just resentments and things that haven't worked out for us. We open ourselves up to the resurrected Christ. And so uh, we get to look at Thomas. We get to admire uh, his desire for veracity and truth. And we also uh, get to find an admonishment there that if we want to experience life, it requires belief. It requires trust. Uh, is there a recording that will be in a link to? Or? This week? Yeah. There's just a playlist, like an Easter playlist. Okay, there's an Easter there's, playlist. There's music okay. going to be coming soon. Yeah, there'll be some music coming from our worship leaders soon as well. So, hey, miss you guys. Enjoyed getting to virtually be with you all. And um, love, sending love from Christ City Church, and peace be with you.